0: these are grindstaff publishing audio files room to roam chapter six sweden part two The train from Norway came to a stop in Gothenburg, a relatively large city on the western coast of Sweden. With shoulders aching from a morning of carrying our packs, Reid and I departed the station without any idea of where we were headed. Exhausted, we stopped after a few minutes at a small vacant cafe and ordered coffees and sandwiches, tapped into their Wi-Fi, and tried to catch our bearings. One of the main drawbacks of speedy travel is the head spinning. Changing sleeping establishments each night and having to navigate a new city every other day is amazing, and is something both I and my companion enjoyed, but every once in a while a perfect concoction of exhaustion, lack of food, and a navigational malaise sets in and the only cure is to physically sit down and think. The cafe energizes us in the best way, and after our foodstuffs were consumed, we walked into the streets with a purpose and a hostel in our sights. Gothenburg is a college town. And like the majority of cities devoting themselves to that endeavor, there is a certain feel that is almost palpable in the way the people hold themselves, converse, look, and do everyday things. Storefronts are a bit more arty, and the citizens seem younger, even though some haven't seen youth in many decades. As we walked to our hostel, all this surrounded us, and it felt nice to be amongst it all, to soak up a different atmosphere, and to be around people who wouldn't think as foolish for choosing this kind of glorified homelessness. So sought after among the dreamers of this lot. After a couple miles of trudging, we finally made it to our hostel, shitty even by the standards we had become accustomed, but homey, in the fact they had beds with our names on them. We dropped our packs and gave the blind establishment a once-over, before getting back on the streets. Dusk was nearing the skyline and we climbed a hill to a kind of fortress with a shimmering golden crown and took in the city from up high. Amazingly, the European beauty that was once unique and awe-inspiring had become customary and glimmered in a familiar way. We descended the hill and found a packed bar, ordered beers, and sat next to the windows. The bar was lively and filled with Swedish college kids acting the exact same as college kids from anywhere else in the world. It was raucous and electric. Alcohol was traded for sensual looks from members of the opposite sex or whatever sex was fancied. And the music was that perfect mixture of loud and calm and insightful and body swing. Reed and I got lost in the beer and the vibe and talked excitedly about what we had been through the past week and a half. We ordered more beer and more and more until my head was buzzing like that hum from a light bulb increasing in wattage. The bar's energy was increasing with the same frequency as my head and the lights became brighter and my speech faster. It was always hard to tell when Reed was feeling the effects of alcohol. He managed his buzz maybe the best I'd ever seen but I could tell he was feeling good around midnight. We left the bar and walked along the cobbled street to an English bar. Clearly built for tourists inside the walls are literally covered with every possible knickknack of stereotypical English memorabilia possible. The Swedish bartender welcomed us warmly with his charming accent and the only other person in the bar, an older man with a beer who had been in the middle of a drunken conversation with the bartender seconds before we walked in looked at us with a smile. The next two hours, the four of us talked about all manner of things from Swedish culture, how fucked up America is, the beauty of Swedish women, compared beer between our countries, and the travels we had ahead of us. Beer was drank by all parties, and the man behind the counter was generous with his time and patience as we consumed more beer. Myself, two American beers of all things, until leaving around three. The walk back to our shady hostel was glorious as the air smelled heavier and crisp, and my head rang with clarity of what we were doing and where we were. People were still out on the streets, some in much worse states than ourselves, and all were living for the moment, doing what young people do in the light of the moon. Morning came with a headache and a thirst for gallons of water. Gathering ourselves, we checked out of the hostel and found a cheap breakfast at a small cafe. Reed and I walked a bit, trying to minimize the impact of our hangovers, and the sunshine helped. We boarded the train mid morning, set off south to our next destination, eyes closed in the soothing rocking of our carriage. A few hours later, we stepped off the train in Malmo, south of Gothenburg, and walked down to the waterfront. Ships loomed large as they were tied to the harbor, resting from generations of work at sea, and yearning to let out once again. The clouds were gray looking out past the harbor, toward the ocean, and a slight wind brought the familiar chill of impending winter to the coast of northern Europe. It would be bitterly cold in only a couple months' time. We walked along the harbor past statues of Swedish seamen whose names were unknown to us and still passed further beside ancient seafaring vessels which looked like something from the brain of Jules Verne including one diving apparatus which would have made his captain Nemo quite content all those leaked under the sea. The streets looked much the same as Stockholm and Gothenburg as he lazily strolled along the familiar architecture and passed the political banners advertising Malmo as a safe haven for refugees. It seemed to be the common thought among the Scandinavian countries to welcome the refugees and anyone who felt persecuted by their countries to find safe haven within their walls and assimilate into a culture ready to welcome all those who needed a helping hand. I found myself taken aback by the openness of these offers. Before visiting, I had thought of Scandinavia as a rich culture who enjoyed their history but rather enjoyed their relative isolation from mainland Europe. Once on their soil and being immersed among them, I found the truth to be quite the opposite. The people to the north were welcoming and friendly to an infectious level, willing to help a person who is in need and politically a group who seek humanitarian goals founded on the most basic principles of neighborly generosity and an openness, it seems, many individuals, let alone entire countries, would be behooved to adopt. Reed and I discussed this on our way to the Malmo Castle, an establishment very much built on the opposite of these principles many generations ago. Malmo Castle is quite stunning with its red tinted exterior and drawbridge spanning a straight out of folklore moat. We stood within the courtyard and I looked down at the cobblestones and thought of the many thousands of feet which have stood right where I have, each pair thinking something different and in the castle for very different reasons. Without wanting to pay the tour fee, we opted out of going inside the castle and continued on our blind trek through the city. Dusk was nearly upon us as we found our cheap hotel hostel, checked in, and soon found ourselves at a drinking establishment indulging in the brewed beverages of Europe. After a pint had gone down, I started to become anxious. There's only one more country left on the great European tour which included both Reed and I. In three days, I would be alone. I tried to forget about the impending isolation by bringing up the beauty of the Swedish girls with their blonde hair and identical black miniskirt, which soon led to conversations of Werner Herzog, Theodore Roosevelt, and stories of Reed's favorite concert composer who had spent a long winter alone in the northern tip of Norway to write a book and play music. We both smiled wide and talked about the novels I would write someday and the movies he would make and how we would travel to the tips of Norway together before we had kids and were married and long before the thrill of adventure ever left us. By the time the next pint touched my lips, my anxiety was neatly buried in my brain, but every so often I could hear the dull scratching and my head would turn slightly, And I knew I would soon be alone. End of chapter.